Hello there. Welcome back to Chat Shit Get Fit. Is it bad for you? This is a series where we look at a wide range of things in the health and fitness industry, diving into the latest and greatest scientific evidence, and of course, exploring our own thoughts as well. By the end, we are going to come to a pretty solid conclusion to whether or not something is indeed bad for you. This week, we look at concurrent training, basically combining both cardio and lifting. The question is, is cardio killing your gains? FYI, is cardio killing your gains isn't something we've made up. It's actually a statement from Jeff Cavalier from Athlene X, someone who, let's say, we are not huge fans of. Basically, what we're looking at today, guys, is something called the interference effect. Does doing any form of cardio interfere with your ability to get strong and build muscle, and then vice versa? Well, today, we're going to take you on a data-driven journey through the years, starting at 1980 and finishing at 2022, so the present. We're going to unpack numerous pieces of data, trying to give you an insight to not only where this fear of cardio and lifting combined came from, but if that pendulum has swung at all over this 40-year period. We also finish by discussing CrossFit in that inherently, you could say it is concurrent training, mixing a wide range of modalities, of course. Now, I won't spoil it, but there is going to be some important take-home messages at the end that will hopefully aid you in navigating the interference effect when doing things like CrossFit. So let's get into it. Good evening, Tom. Just like, just blow your nose. <laughs> Good evening. <bro. laughs> That's not the worst time. No, no, I was just, on, uh, I, I was just oh, well, hold, work phone. Fucking hold fire, mate. <laughs> Apparently you're into, what's going on? I've lost you. I've lost your video stream. I've lost your video stream. Like, it says Tom's internet. What, what's week. going on? Oh, I, can't, I need eyes on, mate. I need, I've to, lost my to, video I need to look into your eyes as we're doing this podcast. I'm here. It is. Oh, God, yeah. It's gone, mate. It's got. It's gone really tits up. Um, you, you know how that is, though, didn't you? What is it? Talk to me. That's a scientist playing havoc. Scientist? Yeah. What? Well, I don't know if you've been keeping up with uh, science this week, Bill. They've started playing around with the uh, large hard-on collider again. Hard-on? Hadron collider? You know yeah, about know that, about, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. What did it's I say? hard-on. This <laughs> is so childish. <laughs> the large hard-on collider. Did I, did I say that? Sorry. The large, <laughs> the large hadron collider. Yeah, science has been fucking around with that again. Smashing protons into each other. And whatever else, and yeah, it's obviously affecting the internet, isn't it? Good news is that like, if they do manage to smash like uh, these atoms or protons or whatever they are into each other, it means we all get next week off. Do we? Because we'd all be dead. Where where are we going here? Right, let's get back on track here, Tom. We've been uh, something about a large hard about hadron collider. Um, I don't even know. normally we can sort of twist this and to make it relevant to what the episode topic is, don't we? We normally have like some smooth operation where we just get it in, but I can't really think. A smooth, large, hard-on yeah. collider. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got a smooth muscle. Maybe we can link that in there. We are talking about muscle today, in some context. We and uh, endurance, endurance, yeah, which is useful if you've got a large, hard-on collider. Yeah. And you're doing lots of colliding, you know. <laughs> yeah, lots in, of rap- in rapid colliding. Yeah, of. sure. Yeah, lots of absolute like smacking. You know, like you're not very smooth. Have you like that? What that meme of like stirring? You know, macaroni in a pot. What? I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with I don't this. Know where we'll go. Let's we just get this right. Welcome back. Yeah. Let's fuck this off. Right. Welcome, welcome back to uh, <laughs> to the podcast. This week it is just me and Tom. We are back with "Is it bad for you?" And this was a listener requested topic, and it is a good one. And uh, as Tom said uh, off air, or um, well, if you're watching on Twitch, you would have heard it. But off air, he was saying that it was funny enough. Someone actually today 
asked about this topic and I was saying how it got me thinking about the world of CrossFit. So we are going to talk about that at the end, don't worry. Mm. But what we are talking about is concurrent training, essentially this whole thing of cardio before weights, because that is quite a big thing in the industry. People are scared to do it or, you know, whatever. And essentially, it's the whole thing of combining both resistance training and aerobic training. Um, and it centers around something called the interference effect, which is something you might have heard of um, if you are a regular in the health and fitness industry. Um, and basically, the question normally is, does combining these two things affect your strength slash muscle building abilities? Or Bill, if we go down the athlete next route, <laughs> is cardio killing your gains? Is cardio ki- yeah, I've actually seen that video. I've seen that video. Yep. Yeah. Is cardio killing your gains? And yeah, it's still uh, it is a topic that is still prevalent. And you know, we are constantly getting research out about this, uh, particularly like the past few years as well. Actually, most of our papers have been recent, like 2020, 2022, etc. Um, but yeah, it is still like a a big fear of a lot of lifters, you know, and um, you know, to an extent, some endurance based athletes as well oh it's strength killing my gains but then also you've got the opposite side which is the strength athletes where actually no it's cardio killing my gains etc and it's a very complex nuanced topic i mean if we, if we can give some examples tom what's i mean have you got any examples you can give to sort of am i get yeah of course uh i mean combining deadlifts with uh cheese rolling <laughs> With cheese, oh, wow. you know, okay, yeah. is that going to affect you? You know that sport where they yeah, throw yeah, they the big wheel it, of cheese yeah. down the uh, hill. What would you do first? Chase it. What, 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 in what order? What would you, what would you do first? Um, I mean, I'm very much into specific training, so I'd literally prioritise throw myself down a hill head first into a ditch, <laughs> and then go into a deadlift. Just, uh, yeah, go into a deadlift from there. What else, mate? And, what, else uh, what else have I got? Um, Cockfighting with devil's presses. Cockfighting with devil's presses, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, you do need a bit of endurance for cockfighting. And I'm talking about, like, you know, the poultry kind, not the large hard-on collider kind when I say cock. Just a clarify, Bill. Um, what else have I got? Uh, a two-hour kayak followed by a 1RM Bosu ball split jerk. Yeah, but we're supposed to be making them up, Bill, not things that actually exist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that exists. There's, in the uh, there's Tom's weekly dig at CrossFit. Got that ticked off. I can tick <laughs> off the uh, the itinerary. Then that's done. I have no issues with CrossFit at all. I just think that the CrossFit games can get a bit wild and wacky sometimes. They can do. Yeah, they do two hour kayaks followed by bossy ball split jerks. But basically, you can get the idea, guys. We're, we're you know it's it's you know that that is essentially what it is when we're saying combining two. Um, I think really what you need to establish first as we go into this is kind of like. What are your goals? Are you solely a strength athlete, or are you a you know a muscle building athlete, or as we are going to go into, are you a crossfit athlete, are you an endurance athlete? So that's all going to it's all context dependent, which we are going to go into. Before we get into that, though, guys, before we take you on a journey, because today's episode is a journey, um, as I might have alluded to in the intro that I've not yet recorded, uh, we're going to look at the polls that we normally do on our Instagram. If you're not following us on Instagram, on our Instagram, it is at Chat Shit Get Fit Podcast, or will be linked down in the show notes. So come and give us a follow, and then you can get involved in these magical polls as well. So this week. I asked, do you combine cardio slash endurance with weights? Tom, talk to me. What do you think? What do you think the answer was? Sorry, Matt, I just saw what you put up on Instagram about me sniffing glue. Um, we wasn't supposed to admit that <laughs> on social media, but it cats out of the back. Yeah, but I thought that might get people that might get people wanting to come come on tune in. Yeah, listen, what I put in my air diffuser <laughs> is my business and no one else's. Has anyone actually seen it yet? <laughs> yeah, so Repeat the question. I forgot because I've been sniffing glue. Because you've been sniffing glue, right? But get it back up then. So I asked, 
before I rudely interrupted Tom with uh, my Instagram story. Do you combine cardio slash endurance with weights? Where do you think the percentage lies here, Tom? I'm, I'm going to say the vast majority. I'm, I'm going to throw out a random number. I'm going to say about 85%. No, not too far off, mate. Not too far off. It was 91% of people suggest. Oh, really? Yeah, that higher end, but doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me, but this is the important thing. As I asked the context, so I said, if yes, in what context? Because this is going to be quite of a, an important part of today's episode. And I asked, yeah, if yes, in what context? I put three options. Same session, separate sessions, separate days. Where do you think the weight lied there? So same session, separate sessions, or separate days? And not only that as well, but we've also got to consider intensity and duration. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the first thing that comes to your head when you think about combining it in the same session, like cardio and resistance? I either think of it as either a pre-gym sort of gym session scenario, so they like going to treadmill for like 20 minutes before they actually go and do any weights, or I think of it in the CrossFit scenario of basically doing lifting weights but other stuff as well at high yeah. intensity basically see the first thing that pops into my head is just like the casual gym goer it goes and hits every muscle group you know whether it be machines or free weights and then goes and hops on the treadmill for 20 minutes mm. but at the same time we might have those people who go in lift heavy but then only spend five minutes on like a ski erg or an assault bike but it's it's hit training you know it's something quite high intensity We'll break into nuance later. Yeah, of but course, yeah. Where, where would you say, though? There's a lot of context. Where would you say more this? people have chose there, either in the same session, separate sessions, or separate days? I'm going to go for separate days. Okay. So in last place was separate sessions. 22% of people said that. 44% of people said same session. And the one you said was only 33. So the majority of the people there do their cardio slash endurance at the same time or in the same session, I should say, um, as their weight training. So uh, what we're going to do today, guys, as I already alluded to, is we're going to take you on a journey, essentially chronologically going through all the data. Because as Tom said, there has been a lot of data in this um, and basically buckling it's going to be quite a ride so we're basically going to start by unpacking where did this come from i'm going to do that with the aid of some data and one thing i do want to add before we do move on is if we do miss the name of a paper because there's going to be a lot of papers we're talking about you might forget it or whatever these will all be in the show notes every paper we explore today will be in the show notes so if you are interested in having a deeper dive or you just want to make sure that we are not just chatting pure shit then uh, feel free to go check those out uh, down below afterwards we are somewhat evidence-based yeah, we are somewhat evidence-based. <laughs> to an extent. Until we start talking about hard-on colliders and stuff, and then uh, we're a bit out of our remit. Yeah. Um, it's hadron collider, by the way, not hard-on collider. Go, I just yeah. want to correct you later. Yeah, okay, yeah. There we go. Right. So, right. Let's get into it then, Tom. So, concurrent training, which is what this episode is all about, combining both resistance training and endurance slash cardio-based training. Um, and at its core, we're going to be looking at the interference effect. So, where did this all begin? We're going to take you back, Tom. I don't know, you were probably, how old are you at this point? You might be about 20 at this point. And this was back in 1980 when the first study came out. And this was by Hickson. Ah, okay. Stranger Finns reference. 80s, carry on. Oh, here we go. I've still not finished that, by the way. I keep having to avoid <laughs> spoilers. It takes place in the 80s. I need to avoid That's spoilers. That's what we need to know. So many spoilers. Right, okay, so yeah. Spoiler alert, it takes place in the 80s. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, so when the Stranger Things takes place in the 80s, this is when this first paper came out. Um, and this paper basically found that concurrent training led to considerably smaller strength gains than resistance training alone. So that was quite a negative paper on the whole thing of concurrent training. So straight away, we'll go back to 1980. This is where it all starts from. Okay, so you can, you can kind of get an idea of why some people already would be having this whole negative sort of um, thing towards it. If we then fast forward, we're going to go straight through history now. Uh, We're going to go to 2012. um, And data has grown quite a bit at this point. 
Um, and we got a bad boy, as I like to call it, a bad boy meta analysis. As uh, Tom liked to eat, <laughs> I did like that. He shared yeah. that on uh, Instagram earlier in the week. Yeah, we got a bad boy meta analysis, and this meta suggested that concurrent training led to smaller strength gains, less muscle growth, and smaller improvements in power output and explosive strength than if you to do resistance training alone. So once, so that's an even bigger nail in the coffin, and that was obviously many, many years after that 1980 paper. Um, so at this point, Tom, it's doom and gloom, isn't it? You'd think so. you think so, mate. You live in the 80s. Stranger Things reference, as I said. There is... Now, obviously, we're going to go deeper, and particularly when we... Yeah, as we go moving on in the time frame here, like with current evidence, etc. But one key thing to remember here as we go throughout this podcast is the term power. Mm. Because it, even with current evidence, it does kind of suggest that the biggest impact is going to mostly be on, yeah, your power. So in terms of like, if your main goal is hypertrophy, you know, or just increasing your aerobic fitness or just getting stronger in general, it's probably not going to be the end of the world if you do include cardio, even if it's the same session. Will it affect it? Maybe, but it's power seems to be the, you know, the thing that is most affected, so to speak. Kind of highlights the importance of the context as well because that is obviously yeah. one context and if we look at something else i think as we move on so we've just got to come, we're at 2012 now it's still negative at this point and if we now look at if you know basically what i'm trying to say now ask yourself these questions essentially as we now go forward am i doing cardio and weights in the same session okay so one after the other am i doing them on the same day but at separate times Am I doing them in this exact same session? So that's what I'm thinking of that CrossFit-esque style training. We are going to cover this yeah. at uh, this hypothetical journey's end. Or are you doing both cardio and resistance training, but on completely separate days? So you do maybe an endurance-based session on a Monday, and then you do your big deadlift session on a Tuesday. Okay, so the answer to these questions is going to inf- impact the information that we share today and whether or not it's important to you. Let's now get back to story time, Tom. Buckle in. So mm-hmm. we're now at 2016. We're fast forward. We're flying for the time. The time the time domains do get a bit shorter in gaps as we get closer to 2022, but mm-hmm. we are jumping a bit. 2016. There's actually a paper now, as we just spoke about context, which tried to explore different contexts because it hadn't really been done yet. Okay, and because obviously they, they they came to that awareness sort of thing of well, the context is important here. It doesn't you know it's, it's all good and well. We think current training is bad, but what about the context? So. They basically said, is it better to combine lifting with high-intensity training, or high-intensity cardio, sorry, or traditional cardio? So what they're looking at is your, your 10, 15-minute hit sessions versus your 45-minute hour steady-state little jog thing, okay? And so we'll look at some key takeaways from this paper then. If you want to maximize rates of strength gains, your best bet is to limit cardio overall. So that's one conclusion mm-hmm. they came up with. Um, and the intensity of the endurance training doesn't seem to meaningfully affect the magnitude of the interference effect. Um, and something that's important to note as well is you've got to keep timing in mind because in this study, the strength training took place directly after the endurance training. So that's a really important thing to note on that paper is that um, if they did, as I said, a big deadlift session, they then did their high-intensity uh, cardio or their long run straight after the strength training. Okay? But it didn't appear to make a difference if it was high-intensity or endurance on this paper. Hmm. Something I was wanting to remember, guys, is that we're kind of taking you through this journey to see how science has changed and how people have 
this is how people have come to certain thoughts in it because we've always spoke about cherry picking and these papers are always yeah. going to exist okay so they're always going to be out there in the public domain for people to look at and if someone comes up to you let's say you listen to this podcast now and you feel like fuck me i'm all over it i've got I'm knowledge you know for days and someone comes up to you and says nah fucking hell it's, it's bad for you this 2020 you know this i've, I've read somewhere that this is this interference effect is tragic when they say they've read somewhere by the way they don't mean they've read a research paper it's they've they've read an article on t nation or something bodybuilding.com in this scenario i'm making up what i'm trying to say is is take a step back and instead of just going you're a fucking idiot be like ah they've probably read one of these papers which at one point in time would have been the current evidence so at one point in so in 2012 for example mm. me and tom would have made a podcast saying that <laughs> the current training was actually quite detrimental to uh to gains and stuff whether or not that would have changed we're obviously going to find out as we go through this journey but i just wanted you to make that note that science does change um yeah and people people will have opinions based on stuff and sometimes it doesn't change sometimes it does but this is why people come to these conclusions and sometimes as well it's not like a, a dichotomizing like black or white answer like we recommend you don't do this or we recommend you do do this or it's, it's going to kill your gains etc sometimes it's a case of look it might affect it but only to a certain extent depending on you know the volume or the intensity of the cardio you're doing or you know whether it is on the same day or whether it's spread apart etc but also you've got to figure the practical excuse me the practical applications of so look even if you are taking part in concurrent training and there is some kind of interference effect it's not completely blunting your progress it just means it might slow it down in certain areas do you know what I mean I mean, I don't want to rush to my major conclusion too soon, but it's kind of like, well, if if there is an interference effect, even if it's like minute, does it really matter? If there's no money involved, you know, or you're, you, you, there's no like cash prize involved, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a life or death situation, who cares? Isn't it better just kind of reap the benefits of both? Even in an athlete setting, which you need both anyway. Uh, and I want to rewind to this uh, 2016 paper and pick up on a bit of language they use which i think is important is that they said if you want to maximize rates of strength gains your best bet is to limit cardio overall if you were to look at that mm. you could cherry pick that and say cardio is killing your gains no cardio but if you think about that that just sounds like a statement that's targeted towards perhaps a powerlifting community look at powerlifters how often do they do cardio not a lot but they are trying to maximize their rates of strength gains powerlifting is a, yeah. is a strength sport they are trying to maximize this so it makes sense they would limit their cardio if your general population where like you just train for the sake of it but at the same time we're kind of trying to encourage the health benefits of cardiovascular exercise as well then it's like does it really matter yeah exactly exactly that and this is why you've got to you can't just read statements like this on papers and run away with it you've got to understand the context and think hmm who is this actually going to apply to is this a, how is this going to work in a real life situation bill look at crossfitters yeah you've got to be a jack of all trades yeah exactly yeah okay are you going to be you know coming number one in olympic lifts maybe not but at the end of the day with your sport of crossfit because it is some form of cross training believe it or not hence the name you're going to need to be a jack of trades and you're not going to get anywhere by just combining either just endurance work and no strength or opposite, just strength and no endurance work. You need to be a jack of all trades. So it all kind of depends on your goals. Mm. depends on your occupation if it comes to a sport. It depends on whether you just like going to the gym to, you know, lift a few weights and go on the treadmill afterwards. Recreationally, there's a lot of context here and what the end game is.
this is this whole episode it's, it's such a like it seems like a simple question is it bad for you concurrent training but there's it is not it's really yeah. not a simple question at all <laughs> but one one thing i do want to confirm is something you said earlier uh kind of like how for a while like it was like the set two thing that on oh, no concurrent training is bad for you and it's like killing your gains etc it wasn't that long ago that i was taking that belief as gospel myself mm. uh not that long ago it was when i was first in my PT training so I'm talking like uh, back in what 2017 that I used to think I oh, know concurrent training is really bad so I'm going to skip all the cardio now and I'm just going to you know just train with weights and I believe I believed that for quite some time and this is before I even knew about the existence of you know context dependent well even context itself we, we, obviously we're going through this data journey here but I mean the pendulum as we're going to we're going to look at potentially only started to swing in sort of the 2020 mark so that's very very recent as we're going to go into it might have swung too far but we'll, we'll have a look at that so we now move a year later from that paper we just did we're now in 2017 okay uh, so this paper now sought to examine whether strength and hypertrophy outcomes would differ when aerobic training was performed directly after strength training versus at least 24 hours after strength training so essentially what we're saying there is if it was on the same same session or separate days basically okay and um, this is only a small paper but i thought it was important to look at um, what was interesting was is that this study used moderate intensity cycling but it looked at the impact on upper extremity resistance training so that's why i pulled this out Tom, because you can that does if you think about it now moderate intensity cycling cycling is predominantly a lower body activity and they're looking at it on its yeah. impact of an upper extremity resistance training, so an upper body yeah. uh, thing. So you'd think there, will there be much of an impact? You'd probably... Two totally different muscle groups. Okay, so, so if we look at what it's actually said there, so in this study, what happened was the strength gains were similar when doing cardio immediately after strength training versus on a separate day. However, mm. the group doing their cardio on a separate day experienced a lot more hypertrophy than the group doing their cardio immediately following lifting. So there's two yeah. contexts there. In a strength situation... There was no, there was you know, there was similar strength gains, but when it came to a hypertrophy thing, there was uh, a benefit to doing it on separate days. You know, what I think that is Tom, because if we look at hypertrophy, normally you do more reps, there's less rest. It's a bit more fatiguing. You could say maybe on a, oh, what would be the word? You know, a systemic stress point of view, it's a bit more fatiguing. Yeah, that's exactly what I would say. So when you do cycling before it you're going to potentially, you know, you're going to fatigue yourself more, aren't you? So if you go and try and do, I don't know, yeah. if you then go and try and do your hypertrophy sets or whatever, you might be a bit fatigued. You might be like, fucking, I'm hanging out here. I'm blowing up my arse. I can't, you know, trying to do <laughs> trying to do all these bicep girls. What's a term we use quite often? Load management. Load management, yeah, exactly. And I'll be honest with you, I I think that's actually a really important aspect to concurrent training in general, you know, is load management. I think we actually touch on that yeah, I think we'll go into that, guys, because there's some really important I'm things. I'm trying to pull the trigger yeah, on that. <laughs> we're we're going to do some actual, um, some really important sort of action points towards the end because I think there's going to be some stuff that people really fall foul on when it comes to concurrent training, especially across the scenario. But in this situation here, guys, I thought that was an important paper because it just shows that even if you were doing different body group cardio stuff, so I said cycling compared to bench press, you'd think, oh, nothing there at all. But there is clearly an impact because of that fatigue, because of that that recovery that's not not taking place if you're doing it in the same session. Okay. But once again, it comes down to context, what your goals are. If you're not, you know, fucking absolute top, top, top dog athlete, it's not going to really be that much of a much of an issue really is it let's be honest. So yeah. Their conclusion on that paper though, just to, just for the sake of it, they were saying that do resistance training and cardio on separate days entirely. That's what they were kind of mm -hmm. coming to. Now Tom this next paper is really exciting. We're now going to fast forward three years, guys. We are now flying through the years. We're now at 2020, and we're going to look at two different papers. Um, the first, we'll look at that one that was Danish military personnel. 
Yeah. Which is very interesting. Uh, we've actually got quite a few military listeners, haven't we, Tom? So I'm sure they'll be uh, mm. interested here. this, and they probably know all about uh, concurrent training. So let's go into it, Tom. What they did was they got 290 members, so quite a big you know, sample size there, of Danish military, and they were split into three separate groups. One group performed 15-minute strength and running sessions that were separated by two hours. So that's basically like micro-training. So they did two really short sessions separated by quite a big uh, you know, time, time gap there. We then had a classic training group. They performed 30 minutes of running, immediately followed by 30 minutes of lifting twice per week. And then we had a standard group, and they performed two 60-minute sessions per week, both of which combined running and lifting. Quite a good bit of context explored there. I mean, disclaimer, those Danes are just built different. <laughs> Absolute Vikings. <laughs> According to some of our past guests, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a pretty cool study, particularly like the the group where they actually did like the they did the cardio beforehand and then the resistance train afterwards. I, I, I do like that because traditionally you'd kind of think with any kind of paper, well, they're probably just going to do like the usual traditional way, which would be strength training and cardio. So it was interesting to see that flipped over and see if that kind of made an effect. I think that because it's a more of a military setting, you'd, you'd probably do what your goal is first because it's military. Yeah. They're probably, in that, at that time, they would have thought running is more beneficial. So they would have gone, we'll do running yeah. first and then we'll finish with a little bit of lifting to get a bit of muscle on. But kind of like, just to confirm what we said earlier, it's not that with concurrent training it completely blunts any adaptation whatsoever you can still get stronger by combining the two it might mitigate it a little bit but it's not like a dramatic effect and i think that's where a lot of this research has kind of got lost in translation and this is why once again i just fucking can't stand like this in a cbic language but like with videos like what you'll see on athlete next where it's simple cardio is killing your gains it's like well what is it's the point? violent language it is, it's a violent language. But suddenly when we see, actually, no, you can still make strength gains by combining two, suddenly it's not so bad, is it? I just don't like this language where we put it into all or nothing. It's either cardio or resistance training. Yeah. You know, and it's not the case. You could do both. Would you want to prioritise one over the other? Depends on your goals and what your actual end game objective is. But I don't think you have to completely separate them. No, that I said completely separate them. There might be times where you might need to kind of lower your cardio if strength is the priority, but I just don't think it's like an, an either-or situation. Yeah, for sure. Particularly when I come from a health standpoint as well. What's interesting there too, is also like the language. You talk about language, the language used in these papers, because if we look at the way they, they sort of phrased their conclusion, it was that even a minimal resistance training, in the, even in the so minimal resistance training, even in the presence of high amounts of aerobic exercise, let's say like a, you know a small amount of lifting, but then do loads and loads of running, that was st- that could still cause modest strength and size gains. Yeah, so totally. But then what I wanted to go back to is that other paper was the one that the paper said about if you want to maximise strength gains, you need to do this. This one was saying you can still get modest strength and size gains. So you can see the difference in language there. One's more positive, one's more negative. To be honest with you, like even when you kind of like look at the research, you know, it's not even that the pendulum was always like swinging one way where it said don't do res- uh, resistance training and it's cardio. In, it's been interpreted that way, though. I think it's been interpreted that way, and it's you know influencers, people that write fitness books, etc., YouTube videos, you know, and they fear sales. Let's be honest with each other here no one wants well, well youtube videos, no one wants mate. to go on to in, you want to dig, no you want to dig to, it not yours don't worry I fucking say. not yours <laughs> not yours yeah. but what i'm saying is no one wants to go on instagram and just see someone go actually it's okay 
You know, people want big, bold letters. It's killing your yeah, games. People, yeah, we're, you know, that just shows how fucking basic we are as a society, doesn't it? We are literally like... <laughs> yeah, oh, we're throwing in a society. Yeah, we're in Happy days. Yeah. No, we do live in a society, as you know, Bill. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this is a problem of like clickbait, etc. Cardio is killing your gains. It's this, it gives you that dichotomy straight away of, no, this is bad. We should not be doing this. Whereas the research actually points, look, doing cardio and strength training in the same session, you can still get modest benefits with strength. It's not an either or. Research has never, ever really kind of suggested that at all. You know, you can still see on the graphs that during concurrent training, strength is still going up. Okay, in the groups that only did just pure resistance training, does it go up higher or quicker than the group that is just doing, you know, both cardio and resistance training? Yeah, some studies do show that. But what matters is, is that even if you're doing concurrent training, it might slow down a little bit compared to the other groups, but it is still going up. Yeah, and it just comes back to that interpretation thing, doesn't it? How, as we started, as we started this fucking, as I keep calling it, this journey, it's that it started off quite negative sounding, but it wasn't really. If we actually, if you actually look at the paper, obviously we're just giving you sort of extracts from the papers that we've read. But if you actually look at them, as Tom just said, there it wouldn't be as extreme. But people interpret yeah. it and they run away with conclusions. We spoke about this numerous times on the podcast, actually, how people get a conclusion to a paper, they run away with it, and then their whole fucking career is based on that one conclusion and it's just carnage so um you need to actually be able to pay attention but if we uh we move on to another paper from 2020 then so we've got one here that looked at 32 young active males now the reason i've included this is quite interesting so they got three groups at those 32 uh, and one of them performed only resistance training one did only endurance training and then or they did a combination of resistance and endurance training so i.e concurrent training this was for 12 weeks so quite a quite a decent time period there and once again it's kind of echoed the earlier paper essentially is saying it's not too bad if planned accordingly and basically that conditioning work wasn't really detrimental for um, strength development uh, as many people believe or interpreted as we've kind of said now um, in the past. The key thing to note though was this was especially the case if intensity and volumes were not excessive and that goes back to your load management. Goes hand in hand with what we were saying yeah, load about management, yeah, 10 minutes ago. Um, the thing they did want to say, though, was that it is probably best to separate resistance and conditioning sessions by at least several hours. Now, when they say conditioning, it depends on how you interpret that because some people that might be a light cardio session. For some people, that might be a hard conditioning piece where it's like a, you know, think of your wads. You cross it wads where you're yeah. in an absolute mess afterwards because if it is that sort of session, potentially you mm. might want to split them by a few hours to get the most bang you know, bang for your buck. Even like a five-minute full send on like an assault bike, bike yeah. you know, it's... Uh, when we when we say cardio or endurance training, you know, a lot of things could kind of pop into our minds. Yeah. Maybe not so much five minutes on endurance training, but you know what I mean when we think cardio. Should say cardio rather than endurance. Something I, the reason I did bring this paper up though, Tom, as I did say, was there was something interesting. I'm not sure if you picked up on it. Was that concurrent training and endurance training both decreased bicep femoris fascial length? So that's basically in your hamstring. And if you're not sure what fascial is, it's basically like bundles of muscle. Okay, so we're basically looking at the muscles in the hamstring, essentially. And resistance training didn't seem to affect that. Uh, and the reason I bring this up was is that we've actually had prior research which has shown that athletes with shorter bicep femoris uh, fascials are potentially more prone to hamstring strains. Uh, and this was brought up in many sort of circles towards an athletic population. So those in a sport like football, uh, American football, um, you know, rugby, that sort of stuff where this could potentially be an issue. Um, I'm not sure what your thoughts on that are. Yeah. I mean, uh, between you and me and, you know, all three people that listen to us, <laughs> I this was actually the first kind of time I heard about all of this, you know, about like hamstring lengths affecting. I'll be honest with you, 
I would rather the take home message be that just to kind of like try and mitigate your chances of getting hurt is to kind of manage load. Mm. You know, and when I talk about load in regards to training, we're not just talking about the weight being lifted. It can be anything from the reps to the sets, but also load management in regards to things like stress and sleep and, you know, even like nutrition. I'd rather people focus on that than kind of looking at this study and saying, oh shit, yeah, I should not do concurrent training at all. Because I think overall, there's more harm in not getting aerobic activity in compared to just avoiding it because you're worried about straining your hamstring. So overall, it's like, is it a risk factor? I, I don't know. Maybe it is. I mean, you, there's apparently evidence that suggests there is, but we don't want to send the wrong message where we say, okay, yeah, we need to avoid, you know, concurrent training now because we don't need to, you know, strain something. Another reason I brought this up was because I wanted to go back to that cherry picking piece of this is a typical example of how someone yeah. could get this statement I've just said, and they've and it said concurrent training and endurance training both decreased bicep femoris fascial length, and that, and yeah. then they could say we've got evidence to say that this means you could have more hamstring strain. So automatically, you could come to the conclusion that concurrent training is going to cause you hamstring strain. So do you see now how we're kind of trying to t- take you on this journey and tell you how people come to conclusions and why it's so easy for your favorite social media fucking influencer to bang out all these buzzwords uh and with some, it's, there'll, there'll be some support for it but it's very cherry-picked yeah. and it's very weak oh no, no i've got to say fair play to you for like bringing it up because mm. at the end of the day we could have very easily have glossed over that and uh yeah i've got to put my hands up and say actually this is not something i've really considered before in regards to length and i didn't even know it was like a, a common thing but it's I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine being a soldier where you once again you have to be a jack of all trades? You're expected to be strong and resilient, but you also need that aerobic capacity, you know, and that high threshold about a sprint. And you know, you are a jack of all trades if you're in a military setting. Can you imagine looking at that and then thinking, "Oh shit, well I don't want to get injured. I'm going to start skipping the cardio. Then you know, I'm just going to do one or the other." What do you think is going to happen when you lose that capacity for being able to have endurance? Or resistance, you know, you need to build capacity. Whether you've got fucking short, you know, fascial lengths, fucking long, wide, fucking spaghetti, I, I don't know, whatever. We want you to adapt to that capacity. We want you to increase your capacity for both being strong, resilient, and being aerobically fit. But my, my biggest worry is people going with that and running away with it and thinking, shit, yeah. That's another reason why I shouldn't do concurrent training. Yeah. I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to strain. So like, listen, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. We'll move on again, Tom, to 2021 now. So we're even more recent. We are really coming up to date with the, uh, the latest and greatest evidence. And we've got two, I repeat, we've got two now, Tom. We're not, we're not messing about. We've got two systematic reviews and major analysis to explore. Okay, so first one. This one looked at 43 studies, so quite a lot, uh, with a total of 1,090 subjects. And these are the ones that met their conclusion criteria because if you're not aware, it's a quick recap. When they look at things like major analysis, they'll have a criteria they've got to meet. They'll get all the studies available. Uh, and they'll, you know, if they're, for example, if they're a weak quality, they'll bin them off. If they only include a certain population, they might bin them off. So there's a, they normally have some sort of inclusion criteria. Um, and what they did, yeah. they got 37 studies measuring maximal strength, 18 studies measuring explosive strength, and 15 studies assessing hypertrophy. Okay, so the majority of them there, maximal strength. Yeah, I mean, if we rewind way back to, you know, our Stranger Fins study, you know, back in the 80s, 
straight away we were saying already how a key word was power. Mm-hmm. So yeah, dismay analysis does take into account explosive. They're not just measuring just strength or just hypertrophy. With this different different adaptations of strength, so actually explosiveness, power, not just a simple case of how much you lift. So yeah, this is a quite a cool thing to kind of like mm. see what kind of strength is affected here. On this paper, we're, you know, we're going to basically summarise it. Uh, we'll give it a bit more context, actually. But essentially, after looking at this paper, you would be more convinced. You'd be more convinced that the interference effect should not be a major concern for most people uh, most of the time. Because once again, we've banged on for like you know the last half an hour, whatever, context. Uh, basically, do what works best for you, given your circumstances, is what the take-home message was from this paper. It wasn't really an issue. However, though, However, don't get too excited yet. You know, it's always a however. Don't get, you know, don't get your hard-on colliders out. Basically, <laughs> there's going to be a few. <laughs> there's going to be a few groups of people out there who probably need to be a bit more careful when it comes to things like this. Okay, um, and we've already alluded to it. You know, there's going to be those of you out there who are about struggling to recover. Struggling to recover is the big issue when it comes to concurrent training. So we're looking at sleep, high levels of psychogenic stress, or even this is actually quite a, you know, a serious one. People in large calorie deficits, because you're not going to be able to handle a substantial amount of simultaneous uh, resistance and endurance training. So what I mean by that is, if you're doing high volumes of endurance slash cardio and resistance training and you're struggling to recover your body is not going to be able to cope with it very well yeah basically what i'm saying and to add to that as well if you're already struggling to recover from let's say let me give you an example now so let's say you're a runner okay you're doing lots and lots of running you're trying to be a really good runner but you're already struggling to recover you're finding you're very tired you're hungry quite a lot you're always you know sore because you said you're struggling to recover it would probably not be wise to then start doing concurrent training, start adding a resistance training program on top of that because you're not even recovering from the training you're already doing. So mm. as we said, load management, you don't add more load if you've not even recovering from the load you're doing. Like something that I've been talking to a hell of a lot lately to all of my clients, because one way or another, they have brought up a subject where I've needed to kind of like explain to them how like recovery and adaptation and stress kind of works. But when we exercise whether it be through cardio or it be through resistance training or both, it is stress at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Exercise is stress. But with the right amount of stress, we can recover, sorry, we can adapt to that and become stronger and become fitter if recovery is adequate. Now, if the stress is overtaking your recovery, you cannot adapt to that. And that's why you either won you end up spinning your wheels and not adapting, just staying at the same weight or the same fitness levels, or you actually start regressing, even though you're adding more and more and more, which is quite a common thing in the gym in, in general, where it'd be through actually particularly weight training. People just think, oh, more sets equals more growth, etc., or more strength. It's not always the case. Sometimes less is more. And I think with concurrent training, the big picture is, is that if you're doing resistance training and you're adding cardio on top of that, it is a lot of stress, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing both at the same time. It just means you have to kind of reduce the volume or maybe not even reduce the volume, be able to modify the volume to what you can recover and get stronger to. I'd add to that to manage your expectations as well, because if you're doing both, oh, yeah, totally. don't expect to be able to excel. Let's say you're doing really well endurance training. Don't then expect to do really, really well in resistance training if you're, if you're, if you're not recovering optimally from the endurance training, because you, you know, as Tom said, you're not going to be able to, you're going to be stressing too much probably um, to be able yeah. to hit those high peaks that you'd uh, perhaps want to. You will not be able to recover properly. Therefore, you will not be able to adapt. So I think you can, you, you totally can do both 
at the same time. But yeah, imagine your expectations and not expecting that your strength's going to absolutely skyrocket because now you're having to contend with cardio, mm. you know, as well. Now, don't get me wrong, I do think that if you wanted to get good at something extremely specific, such as, now I'm, always gonna, I'm going to throw out a reliable here, the deadlift, then yeah, I'd probably just focus on deadlifting. But I could still make progress with the deadlift by running or going on a ski erg or going on a cross trainer while still taking part in resistance training, which includes deadlifting. But it might just be a little bit slower than if I was just simply deadlifting. Yeah. The key point is is that doing cardio with resistance training doesn't completely blunt your progress. It just means it might be a little bit more slower compared to if you were just focused on resistance training alone. You know, but it doesn't have to be either or. Depending on the context, of course, because as I said, with that major analysis there, it, was, it said it won't be a major concern. The, the interference effects, the concurrent training we're talking about, it won't be a major concern for most people most of the time. But there is something you should probably note. If your main goal, so I'll repeat that, your main goal, so your main priority is to is related to explosive strength, okay, so we're talking about or yes. power output, as you said, power, what we spoke about earlier, endurance training will likely reduce your progress. Not completely stop it. As we said, it's not going to halt it, but it is pretty much, it's a given for most people that it will slow down your progress, okay, if you do lots of cardio, basically, if you're trying to improve your power or explosive yeah. strength, right? So I don't know, if we look at like a, a weightlifter, somebody who wants to be an Olympic weightlifter, hmm. are they going to have to spend hours and hours on a treadmill? Probably not. Are they going yeah. to want to? Probably not. Um, and it mm. probably will slow them down. If you look at any top Olympic weightlifter, I'd be very surprised if they're doing yeah. large amounts of cardio. But if you was just your recreational gym user, you know, you want to get a little bit of strength and you, know, you fancy doing the tough matter eventually as well, you know, or you just, you like running. You just like running. It's your stress relief. It's absolutely fine. Unless it's a life or death situation or your career depends on where you've got to get good at something very specific like Olympic weightlifting, crack on. Right, we'll move on to this other paper then, Tom, because I said we do have two from 2021. Now, this one's actually quite interesting because this answers and answers the question, um, does the interference effect get larger as training status increases? So it's basically your mm. training age. If you've been training for longer, does the interference effect get larger? Does it make more of an impact on your on your gains, basically? So what they did, they got, uh, well, I'll basically just rattle off some conclusions, essentially, to uh, save everyone some time. So in untrained subjects, so they look to people who don't train at all, no significant interference effect was observed. In moderately trained subjects, concurrent training may have caused small a small interference effect, uh, but the effect size was small um, and the difference didn't really reach st uh, statistical significance. Notice how it's small and it's not a, oh yeah, uh, a make or break situation. Once again, I'm going to bang on that as cherry picking thing because I'm seeing it quite a lot recently, so I want to talk about it. Concurrent training may have caused a small interference effect. If I wanted to, I could have left it there. Someone who trains three times a week, they if they do concurrent training, they're going to have a small interference effect. You could have just said it created an interference yeah, effect. Yeah, you yeah. decided to say small. Yeah, small. And I added the effect <laughs> size was small and it wasn't statistically significant, which means it's basically nothing. It's not worth talking about essentially that much. Okay. And then if we go on to train subjects, which is then going to answer this question I was talking about, a significant interference effect was observed which is interesting because if you're listening and you're someone who does a lot of training, you've been training for quite a few years, that might sound quite alarming. Sorry, the, the fucking, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses are walking down my street. They're still there. And I'm really hoping they, yeah, mate. I thought I was, I'm, I'm I'm I was, getting, I was getting concerned about what you were doing. You're about to get concerned if they knock on my fucking door. <laughs> are, they, are they coming? Are they coming? I'd like this to be really good content. Are they coming, I? I don't know. 
If y'all watching on Twitch, sorry guys, I know we were sort of balls deep into a, into a paper there, but um, this is more important. Yeah, I, bet, I bet I'll pull any knives out. Tom's about to get uh, bombarded, which is like. by, uh, bombarded by the word of God. <laughs> They're walking away. Even worse though, my, my mum has just dropped my son off, so uh, yeah. <laughs> hi Fern. Like, Mrs. Can deal I just realised Fern said hi in the chat. Hello. Welcome. So right, I'll get back into that. I can just, uh, this is power of editing, right? Uh, right, so. I said that there's a you know there's a, a significant ear interference effect with trained subjects. So firstly, we need to sort of establish why could this be the case? Why are we seeing a more uh, pronounced interference effect with those who are trained as opposed to those who are untrained? Um, and one reason I came up with this, Tom, I'm not sure your thoughts. On this is that as training and status increases, more challenging uh, more challenging training could be required to improve performance. So if you want to improve yeah. yourself, you're going to have to push yourself more to reach those high limits. So that could be a reason why there's more of a uh, you know, a significant thing there because you're pushing yourself more you're, you're testing your limits of recovery you're testing your limits of ability and I think that could be the difference um, yeah I mean to be honest with you like I have seen this in let's start resistance training alone like when we talk about dose response relationships in regards to how many sets we should do etc with weightlifting as you become more trained more sets do tend to be more required when it comes to strength and hypertrophy so I'd assume it'd be the same for concurrent training as well but I think it does become a bit difficult to like balance that load management. So dose, it depends on the dose. Yeah, it depends. On, yeah, it depends on the dose, isn't it? I mean, that's the thing. You look at these papers. You obviously, it's got it's looking at certain people. It's going to be different for individuals, isn't it? Of course, but on a large scale, I can see why they've come to that conclusion uh, to some or some degree. Something else this paper also explores, which I think sort of quite is good to look at, and it has come up in previous papers as well, which we haven't actually gone into because I thought I'll save it for this one, so we can sort of round up a little bit. Is that doing um, resistance training and endurance on different days mitigates the effects quite a bit? Okay, so yeah. those who are saying who are trained subjects who are you know reaching up, pushing themselves harder by simply moving their cardio on a different day or their resistance training on a different day to each other, it mitigates the effects quite a bit. So it goes from being a significant interference effect to even less. And that is that is something I would try and encourage if you are taking part in concurrent training, trying to do it on separate days. I know it isn't always realistic for some people. You know, we've got other priorities. We've got jobs. We've got family. We've got, you know, cats. <laughs> Cat what? <But> like, <laughs> I realised you said that. Yeah, yeah. you've got to cut off for fuck's sake. Sometimes we might only have three days a week where we've got to get everything in. And I do understand that. And that's why I'm trying to make, I'm trying to stress that, you know, it isn't either or. Don't get it wrong, you might get more benefits by spreading it out throughout the week. Because once again, going back to resistance training, as we do become more trained and more sets are required, I, I recommend to people to, where instead of trying to smash all these sets in two days a week, can we maybe increase your training frequency? So go up to three or four days a week and you can spread the sets out throughout the week so you can recover and adapt better. And I'd say the same for concurrent training. So rather than, if you can, that's if you can, if you can try and spread it out throughout the week, so you could do run on one day, resistance train on the other, you know, then A, B, A, B, A, B, happy days. That is what I'd recommend. But I do understand that not everyone can do that. It's very, you know, I'm not, always, oh, we've all got to send 24 hours in a day, people. Sometimes it ain't possible. So if you have to do it both in the same day, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You can still make gains on either end of the spectrum, cardio and, um, yeah, resistance training, strength. I want to touch on something as well you said there, Tom, about, um, about the load stuff again, is that in this paper, for example, this, uh, this 21 uh, matrix analysis was the poison is in the dose is something we've said as well. Um, and that mm-hmm. this matrix analysis, the endurance training, so the endurance training that was paired with the, with the resistance training, it was pretty modest. It was averaging at three times a week, 30 minutes per session. 
So it's not a lot really. If you look at that on a, if you look at that, like some people endurance training, they'll be out for hours, won't they? Or they'll be doing like a, you know, they've gone the treadmill. Even you even know people who are doing like bodybuilding who have gone on a treadmill for like an hour. It's that mental. Yeah. But what I want to, what I'm the point I'm trying to make here is that if this was increased dramatically on this paper, we'd probably see the effects. There'd be more issues essentially. Um, if that was, so you've yeah. got to note the doses there. Okay. So based on this paper, if you're trying to combine cardio and strength training, your best bet is to perform each modality on its own session. Maybe not on different days, because that might be impossible for you, as Tom said, but maybe a good few hours apart. So if you can, let's say you want to do cardio and resistance training in the morning, maybe do one. In the evening, do another. I'm not saying you have to do this, but I'm saying it would be better for your if you were if this your goal was to get stronger, like really strong. If you want to, as I said, well, I use the terminology they used earlier. If you want to maximise your strength, separating them by a few hours will probably be better. Uh, one thing I want to note as well before we uh, move on to the end of this fantastic journey we've been on, Tom, it's been uh, magical. Uh, is that making sure that what we do sort of add this stuff in, or we you know do another session, whatever? Is that it's not excessive and that energy requirements are being optimized for to account for this additional workload. That is really important, that, that recovery piece, because people add stuff on and they don't take into account the energy requirements. And if you don't do that, as Tom said, you're not allowing the body to adapt because you're stressing it too much. Okay, so we'll touch on it more in a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, as I said, we're now nearing journey's end. Um, what a journey it has been. I hope you've enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the ride so far. But we're now at 2022. So we're now current, mm-hmm. up to date. Um, and we're going to be exploring a paper that may add some more food to the question, have we gone too far with the acceptance of concurrent training? Has the pendulum, as I said earlier, has that swung too far now? Are we now telling everyone to run hours and hours followed by one RM deadlift bench and squat? Well, uh, if we go back to the start, it was pretty clear that if you were to interpret it in a certain way, cardio plus resistance training was a recipe for no gains. Okay, but then by 2021, the pendulum has shifted. It was pretty clear that if you wanted to, you could. It might not work in some scenarios, but it was okay. We've now got a paper here from 2022. It's pretty small, but it does offer some insight. And what they did was they got 15 men to perform high-intensity interval training on a bike. And then afterwards, they did either bench or squat, uh, a bench or squat session. Researchers assessed explosive strength, velocity at 60% of 1RM, on both exercises immediately after the interval training immediately after each training session and 24 hours after training. Basically, what the study showed was was that high-intensity interval training cycling acutely decreases lower body, but not upper body explosive strength. Now, this is interesting, Tom, because earlier we saw something that mentioned how uh, how cycling impacted upper extremity performance, whereas this paper is saying the opposite. Mm. (laughs) So it's like, (laughs) <laughs> what do we do but then this is the latest science paper. doing its fin yeah this is thing is this is the latest paper so the argument there is this is the latest data but yeah. the sample size is small the paper earlier was bigger so it's kind of like what do we go off do we go after the current model or do we not well just because something's new doesn't mean it's better so or maybe it's the bike maybe it's Who the knows? bike plus the intensity this is high intensity interval training this is working very fucking hard on a bike whereas before mm. just a pedal so chill out on the bike. So you can see where it's a, it's a lot of context. Load management. Load management, baby. That's what it's all about. Which also includes the intensity. Well, the intensity. We're about to come to that, Tom. So uh, next part then. So both squat and bench press training combined with high-intensity interval training decreases acute performance on the other exercise. Okay, so basically what that that just comes under load. If you do one or the other, it's going to impact his performance. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, that brings, you know, and that brings us back to that intensity piece of, the intensities did vary across 
papers pretty much across the board since we've been speaking about. It's very hard to come to a solid conclusion on every context because it has been so wild. You know, there's different contexts, different body parts, different fucking lifts, different populations. And yeah, it's been mental. What I did notice, though, is a lot of it is on men, which is interesting, which I suppose makes sense, which once again makes it even more difficult to make to come to a conclusion for women because women and men are built differently. So there's going to be an impact there. So it's interesting. But based on that research, lifters should probably split up lifting and cardio. The number that was spat out was about three hours. Um, and then potentially by 24 hours when possible, especially for lower body lifting. And that was based off that little 2022 paper there. Okay, so that's just just yeah. to give you the, the context there. So, right, take a deep breath, everyone. Relax, because uh, it's been a fucking whirlwind of a journey, hasn't it? We've uh, we've rattled through. We've gone from we've gone from 1980 to 2022, looking at concurrent training. I'll be, I'll be honest, I didn't expect there to be so much papers, Tom. I don't think it was going to be uh, this much. It was, um, it was a lot to read. I wasn't joking when I said there had been a lot of recent research on this topic. Yeah, I know. I was like, okay, let's... And about time as well, due to a lot of the fear monitoring we've kind of had in the past 10 years over it. But now people understand how that how people had that fear mongering um, outlook because yeah. you can easily cherry pick it. You're probably thinking what the fuck's going on at this point because I'm fully aware sometimes this all just sounds like word salad. So the key point really is if you're lifting, you're trying to get stronger, trying to build muscle, manage the overall dose of cardio, so your load of cardio. And ideally, if you're trying to maximize, once again, I stress that word maximize, performing it on opposite days from lifting, so different days. Um, and this way, yeah. this way, the interference effect can be minimised or avoided completely. And this is more important when it comes to strength or hypertrophy outcomes. So, I mean, and if you think your performance is kind of going down or not improving one way or another, then it's not a simple case of well, I have to stop doing one or the other. It could just be like just managing the training variables, where it be like the rep scheme or the intensity or the amount you're actually doing, the actual sets or the distance of its cardio. You know, there's there's different ways you can. As I said, like adjust the training variables. Guys, we're going to move on to the final part of the show. And because we are now at that journey's end, we're going to talk a little bit more about context because I did allude to at the start about CrossFit. So most of this data, most of this conversation has been aimed at strength a strength slash hypertrophy audience, right? Um, but we've got to talk about CrossFit, haven't we? Because, you know, CrossFit is a modality that quite a few of our listeners uh, partake in, including myself. Does that involve concurrent training, does it? Well, it's funny, that, isn't it? Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? So <laughs> what I want to start by doing, though, is giving you a quote from, you know, one of our favourite guys, uh, Big Greg Knuckles. Um, and this was in 2021. Um, and this was referenced concurrent training. So a relatively uncommon that is unlikely to impact training outcomes unless someone is already really pushing their limits or attempting to push their limits in multiple capacities at once. Yeah. Okay. The one thing I've taken away from that is multiple capacities at once. Yeah. CrossFit, right? CrossFit is different modalities. It's different modalities mixed together, cross-training, as Tom said. And if you're pushing your limits there, or attempts to push your limits in multiple capacities, this is where that concurrent training, that interference effect can come into place. Now, yeah. this basically all links back to that recovery thing I mentioned earlier. When trying to do a combination, uh, I'm going to quote myself essentially in that you know those struggling to recover due to poor sleep, high levels of psychogenic stress, large calorie deficits, you might not be able to handle those a substantial or simultaneous amount of endurance and resistance training. So the reason I bring this up is the problem I see quite a lot. I work in, you know, I do some work in a in a CrossFit box. I've been at CrossFit box before. I've seen it. You know, I've been around it, 
and I see people lacking in recovery in a CrossFit class setting. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but purely anecdotal, you know, evidence here, just completely what I've kind of witnessed and from what I know and what I've heard. So feel free to kind of like ignore everything I'm saying as it's not really evidence-based apart from my own anecdote. But it does seem that recovery is... I think in CrossFit it is talked about, but it's talked about more in like a putting a band-aid on kind of way like you'll hear things like oh recovery drinks recovery supplements you know recovery massage guns recovery very very heavy on the instruments and the supplements but not the basics not so much in regards to load management which i, I, I can understand is difficult because crossfit is such a high intensity activity but i do think that recovery is more of a novelty in crossfit but as i said feel free to ignore me completely because it's not actually based on evidence just my own experience i don't want to say it's a, a novelty it can be it can be you're right it can be a novelty i think the issue i find in a lot of cases is we spoke about this before in the cross episode is that this whole thing of the community side of it is very appealing and people love com- yeah. people love coming back for more and the problem with this is it's hard to auto-regulate yeah, hard to, exactly, yourself exactly because you're you're paying a premium for a monthly membership whatever for unlimited classes you can go as many times as you want in the month because you're paying a premium for it great you enjoy going there it makes you feel good it releases that happy you know that that response in the brain the endorphins whatever yeah. saying oh i'm loving it so what you do you go back more and more you then don't realize that this concurrent training effects happening because you are concurrent training you're doing a crossfit class if you you know if you're listening you're not aware normally you go in you do a warm-up you then do a strength piece or a skill-based piece and normally you're going to do some lifting and then straight after you do a wad which is basically higher intensity fucking training yeah so that is concurrent training i don't think i've ever heard a crossfitter say i'll leave some reps left in the tank exactly you go, either you go, you go full <laughs> fucking send tom don't you You go full fucking send and i know this you know, people <laughs> people who know me and us hearing that phrase they'll, they'll be loving that so but this yeah. is what happens people go every day they don't give themselves enough time to recover uh, i'm not saying you can't because there are people out there who can train six times a week even seven times a week fucking hell but the problem is people aren't allowing themselves to recover they're not having they're not managing their stress they can be going through very stressful situations lacking sleep not fueling correctly so not having enough food on board not eating enough carbs whatever and they're doing these they're still doing this extra training so what's happening is that that interference effect is getting larger i just want to say like if you're a recreational crossfitter Mm. a recreational crossfitter and you are over time getting stronger and fitter and you enjoy what you're doing then who gives a shit I get what you're saying, but there is still going to be a, a point. I think the competition aspect. Well, not even that. Story. Not even that. I yeah. think those are recreational. Even if they if they're, even if they're still doing lots of this, they're still going to come a point where their body's not going to like it. Oh yeah, yeah. So I was talking in the case of like being able to maximise uh, performance, not so much recovery. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. yeah. But that's what I mean about the the concurrent training makes recovery more important. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If I made that clear, what I'm trying to say is that the interference effect will be larger because of the concurrent training, right? But if you're not recovering more, yeah. it's going to emphasize it more, which means if you're not taking these steps to recover, you're going to stress your body more, which is going to lead to more problems. So I feel like I've shot myself in the foot there. So I just want to clarify <laughs> in regards to recovering, because, you know, we want to kind of mitigate injury, etc. Fair enough. Yeah, of course. But I'm just talking about, oh, like concurrent training, just being a jack of all trades and not getting better one or the other. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because people love it. Let's face it. People love going to cross it and they have fun with it. The thing I get worried about is when people are doing too much without recovering properly. That's my issue. And I would say that about any modality, to be honest with you, that be resistance training or just cardio. Yeah. Or both. Yeah, or both. Yeah, exactly. I just think it seems to be more prevalent in, in a CrossFit setting because of how appealing it is to turn up. And get involved as you said full send full send yeah send it steve one of my uh one of my youtube characters people maybe uh, maybe <laughs> familiar with 
So let's do get your bandana on. Get a bandana. It's actually a thoroughbred. It's actually a thoroughbred. Don't, don't get the don't don't get it on. Don't That's in the on. garage, mate. I've got it now. Yeah. Changes your personality. We've got a different colour now, mate. It's almost like a, it's almost like a spell. It is a spell, yeah. You're right, it's different. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's that's the thing about when you have different characters, mate. They're not all me. If they're all me, it'd be very yeah. Very, like when the Joker puts on his face paint, Batman puts on the mask, Bill puts on the bandana. Oh, mate, you said that face or paint. Or band. On a Monday's new episode, there's actually a bit in there. I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a, a society line which pops up, and it's oh, um, Bill. I was going to suggest I would very much enjoy it if I did see a combination of you know send it Steve. With with the Joker, well, you know, just just throwing that out there. Feel free to run with give that. the people what they want. That's what I say. And you can even open it with that music. You know that music, the Joker music, the Dark Knight music. That where it slowly gets louder, and you could be like, things are getting stranger out there, you know. And it's and you, you turn around. Where's and, my notebook? Where's my notebook? I know. I'm getting that. excited. Oh, I'm getting excited for you, Don't, mate. Oh, I'm out of control. Honestly, I need to. I need to stop making so many characters. <laughs> There's too many now. There's too many. I would love to make a cameo cameo as Batman in the background. And like I'm looking for your Nokio, Nokio, Noko, <laughs> and I could be looking for your Noko. I'm be like, where are they? <laughs> you know. Dear God, <laughs> terrified. Yeah. yeah, let's make it happen, Tom. Let's make it happen. <laughs> let's make let's make that happen. It's coming, coming soon. It's very, Get uh, my costume out. To a screen near you. Anyway, um, I think we'll leave that cross it there. I just want to stress the recovery thing. Okay, really, really important. Really, really important. So let you, as I've said, and I think I've said it in past in content, whether it's the podcast videos, your body was it? Your body grows and you recover. Okay, when you're in the gym smashing yourself, nothing's really, I mean, you're obviously stressing the body, but it grows and you improve yourself when you recover. If you're not allowing that recovery time or if you're constantly just pushing the stress and not letting the body adapt from that stress, you're going to not have a good time, really. What was it I said earlier? Exercise causes stress, but then we recover from that stress. We grow. And as that recovery takes over the stress, it means we can adapt and get stronger, etc. But if the stress overtakes the recovery, we can't properly adapt to that. Exactly that. So yeah, recovery is really important, guys. With all sorts of training anyway. But I sort of touched on that because that CrossFit thing, because CrossFit is inherently concurrent to training. If you think about it, um, at some point, cool. Uh, so yeah, to summarise: Is it bad for you? No, depending on the context, it can be. It it can be. Uh, it can mitigate certain uh, gains potentially, depending on the context. But it's not inherently bad for you. If it works for you, if it gets you exercising, if you find it easy to be able to do both, great, do it. You know, don't fear it. It's okay. Relax, breathe. Yeah, I, I concur. Yeah, concur. Awesome. 100%. Uh, awesome. I think before we uh, tune out this week, Tom, we'll quickly uh, mention Patreon because we've actually just used some of the Patreon funds to help with the podcast. I thought I'd just mention that uh, for our current Patreon. Thank you to those who are currently our, our Patreons. Big shout out to Colleen, one of our producers. Um, and that is, obviously, the podcast isn't free. So, obviously, we pay for it our own money. We're not, you know, there's no problem with that at all. You know, we enjoy doing it. Information like this should be free, of course, but obviously, it's not free to run it. Uh, and recently, we had- in the Soviet Union. Well, yeah, we're not, we're not, I don't know, some people probably want this to be a communist Comrade. podcast, but anyway, um, so our, our website, chatshitgetfit.com, we recently had to pay for that, another year of that, so what we did is we took the money out of the Patreon fund, and we basically just put that into paying for that, that yearly fee, which is a quite, it's not a small fee, it's quite a large fee to have the website up and running for the year, so. Um, Three grand. Well, it's not yeah. that much, fuck a minute, we ain't got that many Patreons. No, but I'm trying to encourage them to pay more. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for that, so if you do want to come and join us on Patreon, uh, and help support running the podcast, you do get some extra things as well, we normally put like, so the Twitch stuff that you've seen on here, on, if you join us on Twitch, you've obviously seen it, if you've not joined us on Twitch, you won't have seen the stuff but we normally i normally cut that out and put it into its own behind the scenes video that goes onto the patreon feed uh, we also do some other little bits in there as well now and again it's just a good way to basically help us with the running costs so i think the link for that is patreon.com slash csgf podcast um, there will be a link in the show notes below if you want to go check it out but yeah thank you pays for my essential oils 
<laughs> cool. Uh, we'll leave it there, guys. Uh, pleasure as always, and we will see you on the next one. I'm not even sure what next week is, Tom, but people will find out very soon. Yeah, no worries. I'll see you all next week. As always, thanks for listening. I just want to echo a couple of points we made at the end there, reference Patreon. Uh, it's a really, really good way for you to help support this podcast and to keep it running, essentially. But I'm fully aware that for some people, it's not their thing, or you might not be in a position to do so, not be able in a position to join this membership sort of platform um, as it is. So another good way you can help us, another way you can support this podcast is on your app, your podcast app, whether that's you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever it may be, is if you leave us a rating and a review, uh, that is also another really good way to help support this podcast uh, and allow us to keep doing it and to essentially grow it. So yeah, either or, uh, there will be links down below for Patreon if that's something you want to get stuck into or we well, don't need a link for the review stuff. That'll be on wherever you're listening to this right now. So after you finish listening to me, blabber on, um, click a little button that says review or rating um, and hopefully we'll see your lovely rating or review pop up very soon. We will see you next week, same time. Same place for a brand new episode. See you soon.